0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year. Oh my lord, y'all are. That tea bag never got in your hot water. Happy New Year, everybody. That's better. Some of you have already hit some obstacles in the first seven days. I guess <laughs> the seventh day of the month of the new year, and we're in church. <clears throat> what a joy! Good to see everybody. I uh, I'm so happy to be here today. I uh, I had to miss Wednesday, the first sick day I've ever had and not been in church with in the last 28 years. I. Uh, I made a deal with God a long time ago that if he would let me be well, I'd show up and preach. And uh, so I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't make it Wednesday night because the doctor said I couldn't come. And so I'm afraid I would run into him when I got here. Uh, I went to see Dr. Millett. He's a family practice doctor. I went to see him, and, and he said, stay home, Pastor. And he said, and that thing Friday night, stay home from that too. But I snuck out Friday night because I knew he was out of town. <laughs> so I came Wednesday night. I'm honored to be here today, and I'm honored to start a brand new year with you. What a joy. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? It's a, it's a privilege to be your pastor. To all of our people that are watching via Facebook today, and to our church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we say hello. Give the church there a great hand clap of appreciation. Amen. And to everyone that is watching, wherever you're watching, thank you for being with us today. It's a brand new day. I, I'm preaching a message today that I have preached all everywhere. If I, if I was ever asked to preach something in the last 30 years, if I was going multiple nights, I would preach this message as one of those nights. So it's not something that I've worked up for you today. It, I have ministered here with it some six years ago. And so it's, it's one of those things that I just feel compelled to preach about uh, on this first Sunday because it's, it's my life philosophy it's my life philosophy. And I'm going to talk about that today a little bit. And if you're a guest here today, we welcome you. We thank you for being here. Let's give our guests a great hand of appreciation. We're happy to have them. And isn't it, isn't it neat? Isn't it neat? It's just it just feels so new to just have a brand new year. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun just to have a new year? Just a new year. Amen. I think I'm going to get a haircut this week. Just a new year. Turn to somebody. And say happy new year to them. And say to them, you look better than I do. See if you'll start off this year lying or telling the truth. Everybody say preach to us, pastor. You may be seated. I'm going to do my best. All right. I enjoy light bulb jokes. I enjoy them. For example, how many Wall Street brokers does it take to screw in a light bulb? The answer is one, the broker holds the light bulb and the universe revolves around him. That's funny, I don't care if you laugh or not. Or how many Exxon officials does it take to change the light bulb? Ten. One to hold the bulb and nine to handle the public relations. One of my favorite comes out of Hollywood. How many actors does it take to change a light bulb? Uh Uh-oh. My deal won't turn. Brad, help me out here, buddy. It's going this way. Is that all right? Let's see. Boom. You're all set, sir. That's why he gets the big bucks. I'm just starting using this. I am catching up with technology. It's 2018. I've just turned the century. The answer is 100, one to change the bulb and 99 to say I could have done that better. (laughs) As someone has said, after a person makes his mark in the world, a lot of people begin showing up with erasers. Life is full of people comparing themselves with others. As one man stated, it's hard to be me when I'm trying to be them. The gospel today is from Matthew chapter 20 and Let me introduce it to you very, very quickly. It speaks of the kingdom of what the kingdom of heaven is about. And it's about a man that goes out and tries to find workers for his vineyard. I just didn't want to take the time to read the text. But when you go home, you can read verses 1 through 16 and find where I'm preaching from. And it speaks of the kingdom of heaven, what it is like. First of all, let me explain what the kingdom of heaven is not. The kingdom of heaven is not older workers complaining about working in the vineyard from early in the day. Nor is it an emphasis on new workers, those that show up at the very last hour. And it certainly is not a generation gap. This church is not about a generation gap. In the book of Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus is shown, and I think it's very interesting. He is, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, he is the 76th from Adam. That's a neat number. Not 50th, but he's the 76th. Seven is the number of perfection. Perfection. Six is the number of man. So God in his perfection, seven, became man, six, Christ Jesus. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And so he became Emmanuel, God with us. I like thematics. I enjoy it. That makes anyone who is born of God and received the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 1, verse 12, To many has received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So we're all, everybody from the day the church started until now, we're all in the same literal generation. We're the 77th from Adam because we are the church. 7-7 is two perfect numbers. It's a double cure. It's saved from wrath and it's made pure. We're saved by the blood of Jesus and we're also born by the Spirit of God. And Acts chapter 2 declares that when the day, everybody say when when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that word day is from the Greek word epoch, E P O C H, which means the age, when the age of Pentecost was fully come. It was not a 24 hour period, but an age of destiny for the church. And it means simply this that I can receive the same Spirit, I can have the same Jesus, I can worship the same God. I can have healing just like they had in the days of the Bible. The Jesus that I preach today has not weakened in power. He has not lost any of his memory. He he, he has not failed in anything that he ever was able to accomplish. He's still able to accomplish it today. I'm in the same generation because God is no respecter of persons. I put it on the screen for you because I want you to know. I want you to turn to somebody and say, God don't love you any more than he loves me. No, say properly, he doesn't love you any more than he loves me. You laughed about that, didn't you? Because some people think that God loves somebody else more than he loves. I want to tell you, God doesn't love me any more than he loves you. I love reading about the story of John in the four gospels, John the Beloved. That wrote the Gospel of John and also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And also was the writer of the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. I think it's important to understand that Jesus did not love John more than he loved the other 11. It's important you understand that. But here's what you forget sometimes. John loved Jesus perhaps more than the other eleven. It's not about what Jesus did. It's about what John did for him. Anytime they sat down, John was right beside him. Anytime they walked, John was right beside him. Because John loved Jesus and he said, you know what? I love him because he first loved me. And he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. We need to not compare who Jesus loves more. We need to say, I love Jesus more than anybody that I know in my family. Come on. Let's reverse that today and have a a love session with Jesus Christ. So if the kingdom of heaven... It's not about old and not about young and not about comparisons and not about generation gaps. What's it about? It's about a husbandman who wanted his vineyard taken care of. That's what it's about. That's what the kingdom of heaven's about. And he goes to the marketplace at 6 a.m. in the morning, kind of like we're going to meet here in the morning at 6 o'clock. Oh, that's going to be fun. I'm going to have a double shot of espresso before I get here. My, I'll go buy Starbucks. And he found the people who would go to work for a penny a day. Everybody say penny a day. Penny a day. And he, he made a contract with them. He said, I'll pay you a penny a day. Now, it's, it's really a denarius, which was a day's wages. But the Bible says in the King James a penny a day. And other translations calls it a denarius. And, and, and by today's standard, it'd be about $20 a day. And he stated the contract. And they accepted. They said, we'll work for you. We need a job. We'll go to work for you. And they went to work. And he hired them. But he saw that the work was not being taken care of, so he went back at 9 a.m. to hire more workers. But he didn't promise the second group what he promised the first group. Now watch this. Come here, Brad. Come here, son. How you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Good. Good. I, I need some workers, okay? I need okay. some workers. So it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Did you sleep well last night? Wonderful. Good. You just get up, or you've you been up a while? I've been up a minute. Okay, good, good, good. Would you mind going to work for me in my vineyard? Let's go. He didn't say, I'll give you a penny a day. I'll give you a denarius. He said, I will do what's right by you. That's right. You're right. You're right. Hey, I'll do what's right. And he said, I will, I will pay you at the end of the day. I'll do what's right. And the guy said, I'll go to work for you. And yes, so he, he, he hires him. Here. No, keep it. Go. <laughs> so at 12 o'clock, he comes back. These guys know the drill. We did it in first service. He comes back and he's still not getting the work done. So he sees these workers and he said at 12 o'clock, it's the it's six hour. He said, will you go to work for me? Yes, sir. And he said, listen, listen, I promise you I'll do you right. I will, not, I will not hurt you. I'll do you right. And the man said, I'll go to work. The people said, we'll go to work. He said, good. I'll see you this afternoon. All right, go. Wow. And then at at three o'clock he comes back and the work's still not being done. Randy, come here, buddy, just a minute, come here. And he said, son, it's it's three hours till closing time. It's three hours till six o'clock, but I need some people to help get the work done at the vineyard. Would you go to work for me today? Yes, sir. And he's got these group of people in the marketplace that they said, we'll go to work. And he said, I'll do you right. And the guy said, the people said, yes, we'll work for you. And he said, okay, I'll see you after a while, go, thank you. And would you believe That at 5 o'clock, the 11th hour, he comes back and they're still, the job is not done. It's an hour before closing time. The the day is over at 6 o'clock and he finds some people idle. This is the first time. And they are looking for something to do. They're looking to work for somebody. Can I declare to this congregation that this is the hungriest I've ever seen the world for Jesus Christ in my life? Don't tell me that people don't want Jesus right now. This pastor knows that people are wanting Jesus, and they've been finding him around Christian Life Church. Let's rejoice in that. And at 11 o'clock, I mean, at the 11th hour, come here, Brother Tom. Come here, Brother Tom. Hey, man, you look like you ought to be the first hour. (laughs) But you're in the marketplace. And he said, you know what? We got one hour. Can you help me for an hour? Absolutely. And I'll be back in an hour to see you through, okay? Okay. Would you work for me? Good. Go. Thank you. Every one of those boys from 9 to 12 to 3 to 5, he said, I will do you right. I will do you right. The only one that he told he would pay a denarius was the 6 o'clock vineyard workers. The rest of them, he just said, I'll do you right. First, I want to say to all the folks who were not in the first group, I will declare right now that the Lord... Has done us right. I don't know when you found Jesus in your life. I don't know when you came into the church. I don't know what brought you to the house of God. But I promise you. That the Lord that I'm preaching about. Has done you right. By the kingdom of God. He has never. In fact. Polycarp said when he was being burned at the stake. He has never done me anything but good. You hear me, there's a Savior I'm preaching about that still knows how to heal people, still knows how to deliver people, still knows how to bring people out of bondage, still knows how to lift people's heads in the time of adversity, still knows what it is to touch a wounded heart, still knows what it is to lift somebody's spirit to the heavens. He is that same God that he was at the beginning when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The second thing that I want to tell you when God sets a covenant or makes a contract, He will never break it. There's no need to make a different one for every group because He established it with the first group. And He said, I will pay you a denarius, I'll pay you a day wage for showing up. And God is not one that'll change the original contract. When He makes a covenant, He keeps a covenant because there's something about God you need to understand He cannot lie. (laughs) He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie because he is truth. He doesn't just tell the truth, he is truth. Amen. That's the kind of Savior I kind of going to want, to want to go to work for. How about you, huh? Amen. I want to go to work for that kind of person, that kind of God. He's a covenant keeping God. Ask Noah if he doesn't keep a covenant. He said, I'm going to put a bow in the clouds and I'll never destroy this earth by water again. Ask Abraham if he keeps his covenant. He said, the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky is going to be your seed and your spiritual belongings and your spiritual off, off, off bearings. And he said, I will be your God. And he has done that. Ask David if he's ever kept his covenant. David was a little boy keeping the sheep in the backside of a desert. Wasn't even in the lineup for the kingship of Israel. And God called him from the back desert and lined him up in front of Samuel. Samuel anointed him. And then David got into the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became one of the lineage. God keeps his covenant. Ask Caleb. Caleb when he when he first spied out the land of Israel he saw that mountain. He said I want that mountain right there and 40 years later he comes back into the promised land and he's 85 years old now and they ask him Caleb what do you want? He said I still want that mountain. I wonder if God will let me have it and God 40 years later still remembered a promise he made to Caleb and he gave him the mountain that he was asking for I'm telling you something when God makes a contract with you when God makes a covenant with you he is a covenant keeping God can you clap your hands with me right now don't ever doubt what God can do he can do it all but I want to remind you this, this vineyard maker did not sign these people up for 30 cents a month nor did he sign them up for 365 cents a year Or for that matter, seven cents a week. It was a penny a day. A penny a day. A denarius. David said it this this way about God's days. He said, He daily loads me with benefits. God loves days. Joshua one time was trying to win a battle against the enemy. And he said, Lord, we need a little more daylight. And, And the Lord... Said, well, command something. He said, I command the sun to stand still and the moon to hold over the valley of Agilon. And the Bible said the sun stood still for about a day. God loves days. When he created this thing called earth and all that we have around us, it wasn't weeks and months and years, it was days. And when he finished the first day, he said, It's good. When he finished the second day, he said, It's good. When he finished the third day, he said, it's good. When he finished the fourth day, he said, it's good. And the fifth day, he said, it's good. But when he finished the sixth day, that's when he put us here. He said, it's very good. Can I tell you, you're more than a good to God. You're a very good to God. Do you think he's going to let everything run in this world without blessing his children that, uh, uh, that live in this earth? I'm here to declare to you, you get a hold of something in 2018 that the God that started all this is going to keep his promise until he comes back and takes us out of here. Come on, let's rejoice. He is a very good God to us. Jeremiah said his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Second Corinthians, Paul wrote it this way to the Corinthian church. He said, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, everybody say day of salvation. Yes. I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Yes. Woo! hallelujah. That almost makes me want to preach today. There's a great story in First Samuel chapter 14. There was a dilemma. Saul, the king of Israel, was under a tree over here resting, and there was a threat from the from the armies of the enemy against Saul. There was only two swords in the land of Israel at that time, and Saul had one, and Jonathan his son had the other. But Jonathan had this armor bearer that didn't even have anything to fight with, and there was some there were some enemies up above them. and, And and Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and he said, It came to pass upon a day. Say, it came to pass upon a day. He turns to his armor bearer and he says, I want victory today. Now, I want to I I I talk about those first four words in this, in this scripture. Everybody say, it came, it came to pass. There is nothing that ever happens to you in this life that has come to stay. Everything we meet in this life is Temporal. Everything we possess is eternal and the eternal always trumps the temporal. And if you keep walking toward the goal, you will pass the thing that's trying to hold you back from reaching your goal because it didn't come to stay. It came to only pass. It came to only pass. There's a lot of things that have confronted me in my walk with God. But I just kept going forward and all of a sudden I realized the thing that was in front of me is now behind me. And I'm still going forward because everything that tries to hold me down will pass away and I can go forward. But Jonathan said to his armor bearer on a particular day, I want victory today. Now let let me just talk to you. I believe with everything that's in my spirit, I believe this, that hell cannot put something on you in a day. That the Lord takes a year to get off. I believe God can alleviate in a day. What hell puts on you in a day. I believe he can give you victory. I believe he can give you favor. I believe he can give you his promises. On the same day that the problem comes to you. Stay with me now. Because Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Listen. If they tell us to come up there where where they are. We know God's with us. Let's go fight them and win the battle. But if they say we'll come down there to be with y'all and fight you down there, we're going to really win because we know God's for us. Here's what Jonathan did. He alleviated all areas of defeat. He said if they ask us to come up, we'll win. If they ask us to stay here and we'll come down, we'll win. I'm here to tell you, we need to figure out some things that we're on the winning team today. We're not fighting this fight by ourselves. We've got somebody with us. That is greater than anything we could ever imagine. And whatever hell throws at you this year. You understand that I want victory today in my life. And when you claim it. God will give you the victory that overcometh the world. Even your faith. Say amen. I refuse to let hell out opt the Lord. 1 John 4 and 4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Say amen. amen. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, we're going to win this thing no matter what happens. Here's how I want you to approach 2008. No matter what happens in my life, good times, bad times. There was a man this morning in first service whose, whose, brother, whose brother had a horrible death just last night. The man was on the front row praising God. Got to go to Beaumont, Texas now and tell the family about his brother's passing. A horrible way to die. But he was here magnifying the Lord. He said, Pastor, I'm so glad I was in the house of God today. You hear me. There is something more powerful than anything that hell can put on you. When you understand that today, 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 I want victory in my life. Because God knows us. He cares about us. He understands. And God does not make mistakes with our lives." He's not an oops God. Look at your neighbor and say you're not an oops. (laughs) God meant for you to be here. And He loves you. So at the end of the day. This is so cute. I love this. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. He says okay. I'm going to pay you now. Come here 11th hour. Come here. Come here 11th hour. Did I tell you I'd do you right? All right. Here. Here's your denarius. Will you come back and work for me tomorrow? Yes. Really? Good. Go. Okay. Okay, you ninth hour. You three o'clocker. You late sleeper inner. Yes, sir. Did I tell you I'd do you right? You did. Here, here's your denarius. You'll be back tomorrow? Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, you sixth hour. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy that today, buddy? Yes. You'll be back tomorrow? Yes. Did I tell you I'd do you right? Yes, sir. As your day of wages. Thank you. Come here, you third hour. Come here, buddy. Nine o'clock in the morning. You sure are young to be living for God such a long time. Here you go. Did I tell you I'd do you right? Will you come back tomorrow? Good. He paid them all, beginning from the last to the first. And then he went to the sixth a clock person the first hour. He went to them and he said, here's your pay. And they fussed a little bit. They said, you know what, we've borne the burden in the heat of the day. And I love, I love, I love what he said to them. He said, he said, you know what, I took care of you. I promised you what I would do. And we needed help to get the work done. And I promised you I would give you a denarius. I would give you your pay for today. Here's what I want to tell all the older saints, and I'm becoming one of them. Is that look how long we've got to work in his vineyard. We got so much, folks. I got to figuring if I made $20 a day since I came into the kingdom of God, I'd be more than a millionaire right now. Because every day, every day, here's what I want to preach to you. The paymaster comes by. Every day of your life. He's not a weekly God. He's not a monthly God. He's not a yearly God. He's an everyday God. He's an everyday God. Can somebody rejoice over that? And he's got something for you every day. And if you show up, he'll show up. But if you don't show up, he still shows up and he has something for you, but you wasn't there to receive it. I think every morning you ought to get up this whole year and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not this is the month, not this is the week. This is the day he has made. He comes by every day, every day, every day, every day. It has been thousands of days, folks, since my loss. This is why it's my life philosophy, which means I can boast of the Lord. For over 13,000 days showing up in my life. Jesus has been showing up in my life since my dilemma in 1981. Hear me. He has shown up every day. Every day. He never breaks his contract. He keeps his word. It's a penny a day. It's a denarius. It's a day's wages. On March 13th of this year. 2018. It'll not be 37 years. It'll not be 444 months. It'll not be 1,924 weeks since the dilemma. But I will declare 13,514 days of the Lord showing up for me every day of my life. And there's sometimes I have cried when I preached. And there's sometimes I have shouted when I preached, and there's sometimes I've been happy when I preached and there's sometimes I've been discouraged when I preached. But every time I preached, he was right here with me. Every time I walked in the door, he was right here beside me. Every time I woke up and said, Lord, this is my day with you. He showed up because if you show up, he will show up. If you show up, he will show up. If you show up, he will show up. Kind of reminds me of a cute little story about a man that fell in love with a beautiful young lady and he was called to the military. And he promised he'd write her every day and he kept his promise and she received a letter every day without fail. And when the man got out of the military, he came home and found the lady was married to the mailman. Because <laughs> the mailman showed up every day with a letter. Sometimes it's not what you read in that Bible and stay away from His presence. Sometimes you needed to show up. I can preach the letter to you, but the presence of God is greater than anything because in His presence is fullness of joy. That is right handed, pleasures forevermore. Are you excited about the new year? You know what I would do if I was you? I'd show up every Sunday and I'd be on my feet saying, Pastor, preach me preach me to heaven again this week. And I'll do it, folks. Lift my spirits again this week. Because I want you to understand something. Every day the paymaster shows up. I love the story of Job. I love his story. It probably was the first book ever written. It was before Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. It was probably the first book. It was the most ancient book. But Job... Job had God do something to him that perhaps he has not done to any of us. God took down his hedge because when Satan could not defeat Job with the cyclones and with the fire and with the strong wind that killed his kids he went back to the, went back to the, the presence of God and he said, if you'll let me touch him I'll, I, he'll curse you. And God said, okay, I'm going to let you touch him but I'm going to prove that he will not curse me because I've got confidence in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Job, when God took down his hedge, he said, Take your hedge down. And when Job's hedge was taken away by God, what Satan didn't realize was that not only God had a hedge, but Job had one. Anybody here got a hedge? You know what Job's hedge was? His first one was this I know my Redeemer is alive. I know he's alive. I may be suffering with these boils, but I know he's alive. The second thing I know is that he's coming for me again. He preached the second coming before the first coming ever happened. He was that far into the future. And he said, the third thing I know is when he comes, I'm going to see him for myself. Not for another, but for myself. You see, folks, there's some things that hell just can't get past. When you decide to decide that Jesus is going to be your everyday walk, he's going to be your everyday master, he's going to be your everyday Lord, hell realizes that whatever he throws against you, you're going to still stand and say, I know he's alive. I know he's coming for me. I know he's going to see me. I'm going to see him for myself. That's the kind of people we need in 2018. We need Christians that stand and say, I'll show up. Every day in my life for the kingdom of God. There was two men in the Bible. Judas betrayed the Lord and went to his own place. One was named Matthias and the other was named Joseph. Called Bersabas whose surname was Justice. Two men that were looked at for the apostleship in Acts chapter 1. To fill the role of Judas that he had vacated. It looks like one had a pedigree. Stay with me now. A genealogy. Maybe he had some, some high-ranking officials in his life. But the other understood a concept. <laughs> and here's the concept. Peter set the guidelines for apostleship in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Read it when you get home. Peter said, here's, here's, here's what's got to happen. He said, the person that the lot falls on today must accompany us all the time, every day. He said, every day. From the baptism of Jesus by John in the Jordan River when his ministry first started, to the ascension. And must, number two, witness the resurrection. In other words, I need somebody that will show up. I don't need somebody that will go over here and hide and say, you know what, I've got this prestigious background. I've got this great character built up in my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm kin to a lot of great people. He said, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that will show up every day. And Matthias, <laughs> Matthias was always number 13, he was always thirteen. He was always outside the line in the lineup of the disciples, the apostles. But he saw Jesus get baptized by John. He saw Jesus heal those people and raise those people from the dead. And he saw Lazarus came out. Now, imagine he walked up and said, "Hey, I'm not. I, I'm just kind of following around, you know. But I want to shake your hand. I've never shook a dead man's hand that came out of the grave." Can you imagine all the years that he followed the Lord? Thirty-seven miracles he saw happen, but he never was included in the number. And then the ascension took place. And now all of a sudden, he's running for office against a man that's got this big lineage. And the lot falls on Matthias because he was an everydayer. Mm. He was an everydayer. We need some everyday people in our life. We need some everyday people in our life. It kind of reminds me. kind of reminds me. You know, George is playing Alabama. How did I get there? George is playing Alabama tomorrow for the national championship. And Pastor's going to be somewhere watching but, but, you know, I could tell you an Alabama story. I guess I will since I'm going to tell a Georgia story. I'll tell you an Alabama story. Nick Saban and his, and his wife, Terry, were flying into Tuscaloosa several years ago and they'd won three national titles already. He said, Terry, in your wildest dream, did you ever believe that we could win three national titles here in Tuscaloosa? She said, Nick, in my wildest dreams, you're not in them. <laughs> now, that's funny. But let me tell you a Georgia story now. One day, George was playing football several years ago, and the first-string quarterback couldn't move the team. And he was having struggles moving the football. And all of a sudden, a third-string quarterback on the sideline decided it was time for him to go into the game. And so when the coaches weren't looking, he ran into the huddle and said, Coach sent me in. And the quarterback said, Okay. So he runs off. And the young man that's come in off the bench, third string, true story, starts leading the Georgia Bulldogs down the field. And in about four plays, they score a touchdown. And about that time, the offensive coordinator and the head coach get together. And the offensive coordinator said, Coach, you made a great call. Send that boy in. He said, I didn't send him in. I thought you sent him in. He said, You didn't send him in. He said, I didn't send him in. He said, I didn't send him in in either. Who sent him in? And coach said, It don't matter now. We've already scored a touchdown. And if you ever go to Canton, Ohio, you'll see his bust. His name is Francis Tarkington. He's a a Hall of Famer. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes there's people that just want to get in the game. And I'm not calling serving Jesus a game. I'm just telling you, it's time to step over the line and get in the huddle and say, I want to be a part of this thing. I want to be a part of what God's doing in 2018. Come on. It's time to get excited about what he's doing for us. One of my heroes in life is a man named Eddie Rickenbacker. He was a World War I flying ace. He's the one that Snoopy always tried to emulate. And he got his first job when he wasn't even hired. He walked into Freyer Miller Automobile Company, and Mr. Freyer was busy talking to a lot of people, and Eddie walked right in and told him, Mr. Freyer, I'll be reporting to work tomorrow. And Freyer said, who hired you? He said, nobody yet, sir. But I'll come in the morning, and if I'm not worth hiring, you can fire me. And he stayed with him a long time, became a World War I flying ace and a, and a, and a, and a famous for racing, a hero of all times. Maybe that's how heroes are made. Maybe we just need to walk in and say, you know what, I'm tired of watching the parade. I'm tired of watching the game go by. I'm ready to put myself in this thing. I'm ready to, I'm ready to be a part of something Powerful and wonderful and good. And I'm here, God. I'm going to show up for you. And He says, You know what? I got a denarius for you. I got a denarius for you. It's the story of my life, it's my life philosophy. Because I believe when you show up, He shows up. I read about a man who was playing an old Cajun boy that was playing some music down in Louisiana. On an accordion. And the people got to dancing and jumping and got excited and doing all the dances. And he got so excited, he flipped that accordion, threw it up in the air. And when it came down, it came down upside down. Instead of the keys on this side and the buttons on this side, now the keys were on this side and the buttons were on this side. It was upside down. And he caught that accordion and didn't miss a beat and hit the same notes. Upside down. That he was hitting right side up. Here's the point. There's sometimes your world's going to seem like it's upside down. And it looks like you're not going to be able to get it right back up. But if you've got a song in your spirit. you got faith in your heart. You'll play that accord and you'll play that instrument upside down. Just as well as you played it right side up. Because that's the dream we have to have in our hearts and our lives if we're going to succeed in this thing called the Christian journey. Whoever said it was going to be easy lied to you. This journey's not easy, but it's well worth it all. But he did say his yoke was easy and his burden was light. If you're having a heavy burden in your life, it may not be his yoke. It may be the world's yoke. Get it off and get his own. Because Jesus loves you. With everything in his life, would you stand all over the building? Clap your hands. Receive the word of the Lord today. I love you. Receive the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow! I don't even know what time it is, Lord. I probably held you too long. I'm going to promise you something this year that I've never, I've never promised before. I want to promise you something. I refuse to allow you to leave any service that I ever preach in feeling less about yourself than you did when you came in. I refuse to let you walk out of here without offering some praise to the Lord in your own way. I refuse to let you walk out of here without telling you that the promises of God are yea and amen. There's no nays in the promises of God. I wanna preach the kingdom of God as positive as I've ever preached it in my life. Because I understand, folks, after 13,514 days, after that long, I know one thing. He's still showing up in my life. He's still showing up in my life. And I don't bring that to you for pity because I'm not looking for pity. I'm just telling you, you can walk through the deepest valley and go through the widest stream, climb the highest mountain. You can still wake up every morning Saying God is my refuge and strength An ever present help In the time of trouble He's an everyday God (laughs) He's an everyday God He's an everyday God So I want us to get out in the aisles I want us to come forward I want us to step out in an aisle We're going to pray together And have family prayer This is how we're going to start the new year Then in the morning at 6 o'clock We're going to have prayer for one hour We're going to come and have worship We're going to come and and we're going to take requests. We're going to have focused prayer. And we're going to do the things that God wants us to do for 21 days. Your pastor is going to be fasting. I'm going to be putting some things aside that I need to put aside in my life. I ask you to do the same in your life. But would you raise your hands right now wherever you are. Just raise your hands wherever you are. And say Lord. I give myself. The next 21 days. One day at a time. And I promise you. That this year, I will show up in the vineyard to help you get the vineyard harvested in the name of the Lord. Now, let's bless the Lord together. Dear Father, I love you. Come on, let's bless the Lord together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, open your mouth and bless him right now. Open your mouth. Hallelujah. 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 He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. Everybody say a day's wage for a day's labor. He'll never disappoint. He'll always keep his appointment. I bless this congregation now in the name of the Lord. And as we launch out into our 21 days of prayer and of fasting, I believe in you, Lord, with all that's in my heart. God, you're going to pour out the Holy Ghost on this church. You're going to pour out healing on this church. You're going to pour out deliverance on this church. You're going to pour out favor on this church. God, we're just moving forward. We're going forward in the name of the Lord. We are saying every day is going to be a brand new adventure. Every day is going to be a brand new time in my life because you're not a weekly God nor a monthly God. You're a You're an everyday God. You're an everyday God. You're an everyday God. And I trust you. And I trust you with my everyday life. And it's in Jesus' name. I bless this church. Come on, clap your hands one more time. Real big. Real big.